You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. Hey, that's right. We're the Fantasy Joes. Welcome. It is time to talk about the 2020 rookie class, and we are very excited to have the host of the W Marketplace joining us tonight at W Marketplace on Twitter. And they're also brand new DLF writers. One of the hosts of that show, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's a great podcast, is our good old friend, Caleb Pearson. Caleb, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, glad to be back on the show. Uh, it's been about a year now. Uh, so I was excited to uh, get the DM to hop back on with you guys. Yeah, we're excited that you came and you brought your, uh, your running mate from the W Marketplace Mr. Kane Fossil at W underscore Kane on Twitter. Caleb, your your Twitter at Pearson FF. I missed that. But Kane, what's going on? Welcome to the Fancy hey. Joes. First time hey. appearance. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, I was so ill prepared for this that Caleb even texted me an hour ago and said, "Hey, don't forget about the podcast." So um, <laughs> we like jokes so, here. Yeah. So this this is this is what you get. I'm just going to be sitting over here drinking whiskey, and if you don't hear from me for a while, that's because I w- had to go get more. So like, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> He's that's got two our, cups th- of whiskey. You can't see it on the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what our listeners expect, right? Will Greenwood. Yeah, and we're a pretty big fan. Of, what what whiskey are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking what's called Akshentishan Three Wood, which is so, so it's um, a little more of a bourbon whiskey, um, or rather, it's a Scotch whiskey. It runs about sixty seventy dollars a seven fifty. Um, I only happened to get some because my wife decided to buy some for our anniversary. So big props to her. Um, I won't make fun of her like we normally do on the Debbie Marketplace, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she she bought me this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy some of it while talking football. My two favorite things. Yeah, that's awesome. We we are um, unofficially sponsored by Angels Envy. That's that is the uh, the uh, you know bourbon of choice here at Fancy Joe's, and we talk Scotch sometimes. But tonight we're gonna talk about well, we'll probably talk about whiskey, but we're gonna talk about the 2020 rookie class and get into it. And we're excited. Guys, what are your initial thoughts what, about the 2020 class? Caleb, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, does this class live up to the hype? I mean, are we getting too excited or, or not excited enough? Uh, I, I th- it's, it's different <laughs> at all the different positions. Uh, you know, if you break it down and you look at, you know, the tight end position, uh, you know, temper your expectations there. There's really no one that's standing out as, you know, that elite tight end at the top of the class like we had last year with, you know, TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant. You know, there's not a – I don't see a George Kittle coming out of this class. Um, so if you're looking for a tight end, I would be waiting until next year or, you know, trading for an established guy. Quarterback's got some intriguing options with, you know, Tua at the top followed by uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, Jake Fromm declared today. So you've kind of got that tier of yeah. Jake Fromm, Justin Herbert, Jacob Eason, whatever order you want to put those guys in. Um, but at the running back position and the wide receiver position, uh, I know me and Kane are pretty excited about a lot of those guys. Uh, you know, guys like DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor and C.D. Lamb. I mean, the running back potential or the potential for these running backs, you know, they could change the landscape of the current running back, you know, dynasty ranks and, you know, really shake up some of these running back rooms in the NFL because some of the talent at the top and 
I mean, it's, it's deep. There's a lot of guys within the top 10 that I know me and Kane are all super high on that could land somewhere and make an immediate impact. So it's easy to say now in January that it's going to live up to the hype, but, uh, you know, really looking at this running back class, I think it will live up to the hype. Yeah. And it does have the potential to really change the landscape in dynasty, especially the running back position. Will and I have talked about that before that if you look at running backs, you want to invest in that are currently in the NFL, there's only a few really the, the top tier guys you really feel comfortable with and then you've got this incoming class and then you've got all these free agent running backs so it's gonna really change the landscape i think kane what are your thoughts anything to add about the 2020 class yeah i think the as we kind of get into this a little more and as more people kind of uh really start diving in especially dynasty guys that are just now taking their first look at some of these guys and really diving in. And, and that's totally normal for dynasty guys to do, right? They're right. not the Debbie guys that have been watching college football for, four, for three or four years. And some of these guys and basically know all their stats just off the top of their head. Like some of us do. Um, I think what, what's going to end up happening, which is, is a little scary to me is that some really, really athletic guys, athletic wide receivers, are going to go first, second round of the NFL draft, and you're going to want to move them up in your rookie drafts, and that's going to be a really poor decision. I feel like that's what's going to turn out to be. Um, when you look at some of these really, really uber-athletic guys, um, so you have like Henry Ruggs and LaVisca Chenault, and those guys, yes, they're great talents, but I think they're – they work better on an NFL team than they will on your fantasy team. They're going to provide kind of more opportunities to an NFL team than they will points for your fantasy team. And that's just going to be the way that it is. And that happens all the time with players. You have deep field stretchers, especially uh, rookies like Henry Ruggs that might not get, you know, all the touches right away, but they're going to be able to stretch the field vertically. And then the other guys, are going to kind of eat more of those underneath routes. So that's when you're going to get guys, you know, like say when Alshon Jeffrey went to the bears, um, Alshon Jeffrey was doing a little more of that deep route, but then Brandon Marshall was eating all of this underneath stuff. And all of a sudden Brandon Marshall became like this PPR monster as soon as Alshon showed up. And I think that's how it's going to be um, with, with some of these really athletic guys. Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting point. And, and I think that's something that I love to hear because I love when these running backs slip down the board. You know, some of these guys slip into the second round because of, of those athletic wide receivers that, yeah, you want to reach or, or maybe not reach, but the draft pedigree is telling you, okay, let's target these guys. Well, because well, if, if we're just thinking about like wide receivers that could potentially go in the first two rounds, what are we thinking about? Eight, nine, maybe 10 wide receivers go mm-hmm. in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. How many running backs are going to go in the first two rounds? Three, right? So if, if you're just looking at draft capital in a draft capital model, those wide receivers are going to keep getting pushed up your rookie drafts and you're going to hear a lot more news about them. And you're not going to hear about as much about like the Cam Akers mm-hmm. or possibly J.K. Dobbins or, you know, Chuba Hubbard if he comes out. You're not going to hear as much about them and they're going to be steals at the back half of your first round and in the second round. And that's where you're going to really going to find a lot of value in these players. Will Greenwood, what do you think of the 2020 class? You've had a chance to start to dive into it. What, what have you, uh, what are your th- initial thoughts? You know, the, the, the class on a whole has been hyped up for a very long time and we'll kind of see, I think the running back test or class, I think you're right. They're, 
like looking at their metrics just even coming out of high school and their speed scores uh, that they've had in college, I think we're going to have a really, really great uh, metric testing running back class in the combine. So I think there's going to be a lot of hype around guys that are just, they're just, it's just a hyper, it seems like a hyper athletic running back class. So I think that's going to be super fun to watch and how it affects the, the regular draft. My, my take and what I wanted to talk about at the beginning here was more of, I want to see how things are going to play out when it comes to, to rookie draft time this season. How much are we going to react to what last year's class did? Uh, it was a pretty high wide receiver class kind of coming into 2019. I felt like it lost some of its uh, shine going into it. But uh, the, I want to say the first three things we know, what will happen uh, in the draft one, the Bengals are probably going to take Joe Burrow, one overall. I'd be kind of cruel to their fans and fan base to not. Just to, they'd be just really disappointed and sad, and the Bengals fans need something to cheer for. Uh, two, uh, Ryan Livergood will fall in love with someone with oversized hands in the pre-draft process. Guaranteed, you know 100%, no fail. And then I will fall in love for a late-round running back who will do nothing valuable for you in fantasy. <laughs> that has been the, the status quo for the past, like, two, two three years now. So those, those are my guarantees. Uh, but the, the, the talent at wide receiver level and how, people, how far people are going to look into that, the talent versus situation, and I want to use just A.J. Brown as the quick case study for that, what he did this year after he fell uh, in some rookie drafts, especially once the season started, if you look at your own leagues, I felt like he fell farther than what like DLF has him and things like that. But, I mean, he went at the, the 13th pick grind in our 14-team Dynasty Darwinism Superflex draft, and that, that's pretty far down for what other places had him. The other one was the 108, 110. I think people who really get like buy into somebody's talent regardless of their landing spot, I think our, the wide receivers are going to go earlier this year because of that. Uh, another intriguing uh, like note that I want to watch out for is teams that trade up for running backs, how that will affect their rookie draft capital as well in our, in our leagues. So like we had Daryl Henderson last year who didn't pan out on his rookie year like at all. Uh, David Montgomery, you were disappointed where you took David Montgomery and what his production was. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't what you wanted to grab with, with, uh, with where you were taking him. So I think that we're going to have some recency bias going into our rookie drafts this year, regardless of how many uh, or how much data someone intakes, they're still going to keep that little nugget in the back of their mind. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how recency bias plays into this draft. You know, my thoughts, once again, I'm the dynasty guy, just diving into the class. I'm just excited. I mean, I, I play in some Debbie league, so I'm not completely blind to these guys, but yeah, these, these running backs and these, you know, wide receivers, the, the top end wide receivers, I, I do think it's super deep. And I think even though this has been said on a lot of podcasts, including this one, those, there's going to be a lot of value to those late first rounders and those, those second round picks, especially in a super flex league. I, I totally buy into the narrative. And, and I do think that if you have some of those, um, you know, second round picks that maybe before you would have been more casual with, I think you're going to be really happy. Um, but, but it's early, but, but you know, that almost everyone has kind of made their declaration as of this recording, we don't know about Hubbard yet. And he would add to the stack running back class, but I'm pretty happy with who's coming out guys. I mean, and in super flex leagues, you know, with, with Jake Fromm coming out, you know, declaring as of this recording today, um, even a guy, we were, you guys were talking about Cole McDonald from Hawaii. I mean, it's kind of an intriguing guy. You never know what could happen. I mean, the, the more quarterbacks, the merrier in a super flex league. So I'm, I'm just super excited. And I can't wait to, dive in and talk about these guys so and I think it's fun to talk, start at the quarterback position and I am so happy that Tua decided to declare for the draft I think it was smart for him to do I, I mean just you know no matter what in terms of you know 
um, how his career is going to play out, that rookie contract where he's going to go in the draft. But do you guys like uh, Joe Burrow or Tua? Like, who's your guy? I mean, I'm not talking about draft position where you draft them, but just like in a let, – let's say it's an auction league and you can have enough money to go for one of them. It's a startup auction league. Uh, which one of those guys are you going to target? Who's better for a Superflex league? Uh, well, you know, it, it's hard to totally compare them apples to apples because, you know, as much as we don't want to take into, you know, to his injury into account, it, it still is there. Uh, you know, I try to just focus on what the player's skill is and hope that, you know, NFL teams figure it out, the medicals and, you know, if they clear them, then, you know, I'll take their word for it. I think I'd still give two of the edge as my top quarterback uh, just because we've seen him do it at a high level, you know, for a few more years than what we saw Burrow. Burrow's got, you know, one, one and a half years of, you know, that elite production that really wowed us. I just think Tua's got a little more skill, uh, not to take away from Burrow, but, you know, if it wasn't for Tua's injury, I think he would be the clear number one. Uh, in this class at quarterback. Um, I always have to disagree with Caleb. So <laughs> two is my guy. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I, I don't have the expertise there. I was in college long enough, but they didn't somehow make me a doctor. So I'm just going to have to err on the side of talent. And I think two is more talented. I think he has a better arm. I think the things that he does in the pocket are just as good as Joe Burrow. Um, so I'm not worried. Um, if, if we're, if like in the example you had, if we're talking a startup auction, I think two is going to go for less and I think he's going to be the better player. So I definitely think he's the win there. Yeah. Tua is so intriguing to me as well. And they both have amazing statistics you know, in terms of, um, you know, touchdown interception ratio, completion percentage. What is Tua? He's the most accurate guys in college football history, if not the most, the most the accurate guy. Right. So, I, I, and I think it's going to be easy for us because the draft is going to tell us everything. If, if Tua goes as a top 10 pick overall, I think we could feel pretty comfortable about the medicals. Obviously, if he drops to the second or third round, then maybe you're going to have pause. Then maybe it's pre, a pretty easy decision because that will tell us everything. So I think the draft will tell us everything we need to know about where he's at medically. And even if he goes to a place, uh, I was listening to the Move the Six podcast. They were speculating about where he might go. Let's say he goes to the San Diego Chargers. What are they, are they at the 107, I think? Um, and he's and they six. they re, they're okay. There's six. So they they resigned Philip Rivers and he sits behind Philip Rivers for a year. I'm great with that. I mean that model worked out for Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. So maybe he needs a year to you know another year to rehab and get back into um, you know perfect shape. So I'm cool with that. So uh, Will, what about you? Who who do you want? You want Burrow or you want Tua? Uh, I guess at this at this moment in time, uh, I'll I'll take Burrow just with the the one on one pick, and I kind of like where the Cincinnati offense could be next year compared to this year and him kind of him fitting into there, especially if AJ Green uh, resigns, he might just have a good starting position to accrue value in his rookie year. So then he is going to be a more valuable dynasty asset. And then I'd probably try to move him for a more established quarterback and use that capital to. So like, if you uh, like made me choose that, I would probably try to trade out of that pick if somebody really wanted one of the two and go a different direction. I'm excited about both of them, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the, the one thing about Tua, and it, was, it was on the Dan Patrick show, and it's very similar with Kyler Murray. When you know, he chose to come out to the NFL draft after uh, in, in declining baseball, the, the rumor, and I think he said a source to him, said that Tua has basically been 
like enough people have uh, teams have told him after looking at his medicals now that he's going to be a top 10 pick and that's why he's coming out. And I, I honestly believe that. I mean, I think with his talent level, it's his risk reward is so high. I wouldn't be surprised if a team that even has like a, maybe even an older quarterback that has a year left trades up into that area to grab him. I, I think there's, it, it could be a very fun NFL draft in that way. Yeah. So he, he goes, Will, you were asking this question. Burrow goes first overall. Is is he the Superflex 101, clearly? Or is it not that simple? Okay, yeah, that was my question. I'm not 100% sold yet, but it, it seems to be that way in the current state of Superflex Dynasty. I yeah. think if, if I'm sitting at the 101, um, I think the pick itself is going to have more value than the player picked there. Um, so I'm going to trade that 101 and I'm, if I need a quarterback, I'm trading that 101 for an established quarterback and I'm going to target someone like Carson Wentz or, um, I wouldn't mind taking Baker Mayfield possibly with a new coordinator, like someone that kind of has a little more upside and doesn't have to work through the rookie kinks already. Um, I think that's where I would prefer to go. I like that. Caleb, what about you? You know, he, he goes to your uh your your team he goes to Cincinnati what what are you gonna do um I mean I still think I don't think Cincinnati is a destined form in any, by any means I mean they still have Joe Mixon Tyler Boyd uh you know if they re-sign AJ Green Auden Tate flash at times this year you know they got Jonah Williams coming back I don't think it's the worst spot he can land I mean it's it's definitely not you know one of the best spots you want to see a quarterback land but I think that, you know, if he goes one, 101 in the NFL draft and, you know, people start, you know, licking their chops over these rookie picks, I think, like Kane said, you know, you're going to have a better chance flipping that for an established asset because, you know, as good as a QB prospect is coming into the NFL, there's still going to be some kinks to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I think that would be a good time to, you know, trade back off that pick because I think you're going to be able to get two after Burrow in most drafts, you know, as of this recording. Um, and I would rather, you know, trade back two or three spots behind where, you know, Burrow, Swift, and, you know, ETN or someone go and add an extra second or something and, t- and just take Tua. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a sound strategy. Okay, so Justin Herbert, I want to skip ahead to him. So he has declared he's going to the Senior Bowl He's an interesting cat to me because there are some things I like about him and some things I don't like about him. I like the fact that he's experienced. He's not a Mitchell Trubisky coming to the league to only starting one season. He's, he's played 43 games, 64% um, career completion percentage. That's, that's good. Uh, four to one TD to interception ratio. These aren't amazing numbers, but they're, they're good numbers. I think he checks the boxes there. Um, and, and when I've, when I've seen him play to me, he, he passes the eye test. I've, I've been pretty impressed with this play. But he is said, I've read some things. He, he has like a, he's a different cat. He, he has a different personality. Maybe he doesn't have that killer instinct. I know he's a hard worker. He's a really intelligent guy. I guess he, he you know, he, he thought about going to school to become a doctor. Um, but that also makes me a little bit nervous, right? You know, we've seen a guy like Andrew Luck leave the league because he's a different kind of cat, although he was great when he played, obviously. Uh, Josh Rosen was a different kind of guy, you know, and he's not working out. And here is the thing I, that really bothers me. And I didn't even think about this until I started doing a little more research. He's 6'6". And we look at guys that have entered the league that played the quarterback position at 6'6 or taller. 
it's not a good place to be You're with Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler, Mike Glennon. Um, so what do you guys think of, of, of Justin Herbert? Because last year, you know, he was getting a lot of hype. Uh, I, I know some people that had him, um, you know, right there as one of their elite quarterback prospects a year ago in Debbie leagues and, and he's not there anymore. So what do you guys think of him? Um, I, I definitely think he made a mistake in going back to school. You know, at first I kind of liked it. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's going to go back to school. He's going to work on some of these things that, you know, might've needed improved even despite him getting, you know, ranked as the number one quarterback in the draft last year, even, you know, some people had him ahead of Kyler Murray. Uh, so I think he kind of hurt his stock in terms of where he's going to be drafted this year, because a lot of the things that we didn't like last year, we still don't like this year. He's still just not very consistent on the football field, whether it's consistent with his accuracy, consistent with his decision-making. He's just still a very hot and cold player that, you know, when he's hot, he's a top quarterback, you know, he's tier one potentially, but when he's not, he's down there with the, you know, Jacob Eason's and the Jordan loves. So I think he's probably going to end up as the third quarterback taken. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think he probably should have came out last year. Um, uh, I don't know. He, he's hard to scout because he has a lot of good tape and he has some bad tape. Um, you know, just when you start to think he's working out some of those kinks, it's right back downhill and you know, it's, two steps forward, one step back, as they say. So uh, he'll be interesting to watch down at the senior bowl to see how he performs down there, I think. Yeah, I think I, it was it's really funny when you talk about him being listed at 6'6 six, six or taller. So I'm just going to run through the QBs that were listed at 6'6 six, six or taller since the combine in 1999 because these names definitely give me some severe PTSD flashbacks <laughs> when I'm thinking about like guys I drafted and should have never drafted. Um, so we have Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Mike Glennon. My page just went crazy. Give me a hot second. I don't know what happened. I'm not very technological savvy. Uh, Ryan Mallett, Joe Flacco, Tony Pike, Sean Mannion, Tyler Bray, Jamarcus Russell, Byron Leftwich, Derek Anderson, John Skelton, Josh Freeman. Like these guys always had the hype coming into the NFL draft and some of them even got drafted uh, pretty high, but they just never had the talent in college to really go along with it. Um, they, some of them did because they went to smaller schools and were able to excel there, but some of them didn't have, you know, the talent and the stats like a guy, you know, like Justin Herbert. And I think that's going to be the difference when we look at kind of those historical data points, I guess, versus Justin Herbert and, we realize that Justin Herbert is much more athletically gifted than any of them. We saw that when um, they took down Wisconsin in the Rose bowl, you obviously saw that he was athletically gifted, you know, on that 30 yard keeper when he rolled out right and just took it to the house with the stiff arm. Like we see those things, but the, the issues that we have is kind of what's between his ears because sometimes when he's reading the defenses, he's not making the read very well and he easily gets confused with um with buzz pressures or with buzz coverages so anytime like a safety is coming down to where a linebacker should be he's kind of having issues reading that um especially when it's in a cover three so those are kind of my issues with him and that's going to be a lot of 
a lot of coverages that he's going to see in the NFL. So he's definitely going to have to improve there. Hey, hey, Kane, real quick before we move on. Do you know who is six foot tall or six foot six uh, that's coming out next year at the quarterback position? Yeah. You, are you trying to talk about Trevor Lawrence? I, I'm just saying you're sitting here bad-mouthing quarterbacks that are 6'6". Six, six no, I'm, I'm bad-mouthing <laughs> quarterbacks that didn't, have, that didn't have production like Herbert did in college. And no, I, think, I, I think that's the issue is because no, people think, are just drafting people based on their measurables, and that's always going to be a terrible idea. Just ask John Elway. Yes, I agree. That's, even though Herbert's tape is not perfect at times, he is still has the highs. You know, guys like Paxton Lynch and, uh, you know, Jamarcus Russell, they really just had those desirable traits that you can't teach. You know, you can't teach height. Your height, you can't teach that arm strength. And I think that's similar to what people are going to say about Jacob Eason. Oh, well, he's got a cannon of an arm and you can't teach that. And people are going to fall in love with his arm, even though he really doesn't have the stats that, you know, Justin Herbert does to back that up. So, uh I think that's a, a good way to scare people away from him by bringing up the list of quarterbacks that matches height. Uh, but I think Kane makes a good point there that he has the stat sheet to back that up. So do that in your dynasty leagues and get him late in super flex leagues. If you can get a starting quarterback at the 112 in a super flex league, that's a steal. It, it is. But one thing that you said to said Kane was the, he gets confused easily. You know, I'm in Chicago. I, I watch a quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, that gets confused easily. And I think he's going to be done in the NFL here, maybe another year, but, but soon. So Will Greenwood, hearing all these things about uh, Justin Herbert, what, what do you think about him? You, 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 would you think of, like, if he is, he's there at the 112, are you like, that's an amazing value? Or are you like, oh, man, there's some things I don't like about this guy? Yeah, it kind of depends what, what went before him and, and what's on the table. The, the thing about, I think, that is interesting with Justin Herbert, if you look at his college career, Oregon hasn't necessarily been a stable place to be. Uh, he came back maybe in 2019 because the head coach was coming back as well. That was going to be the first time he had a repeat head coach. So, because they, they, you know, they had uh, Willie Taggart, and then he left for Florida State. And so they brought in uh, Mario Cristobal, and then he was there again. And they had a much better season as a team in 2019. And I wonder if there's the, you know, as a, as a young man growing up, if he thought it would be best to go back and see if he could improve into his senior season. And it wasn't, he didn't, he didn't do what we, we really wanted him to do. I mean, we wanted him to just be lighting the world on fire, but the, he's had, you know, he said three head coaches uh, in his four years of college. That's not necessarily easy on a young kid. So I, I, I do think he's going to be a first round pick of the NFL because quarterbacks will be boosted up. And I think he'll be drafted ahead of like, you know, where Drew Locke went last year. So I would, I guess in, in general, to answer your question, just straight up Ryan, yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, I, I think for, for me at the end of the day in a Superflex league, if there's, I think we've learned that, you know, p- people, for example, knocking Josh Allen and he slipped to like early in the second round or mid second round in some Superflex drafts and you got him, you're happy. Uh, Daniel Jones, to a lesser extent, that happened. I think we learned our lesson with Josh Allen. So, yeah, I, I think if, if he goes high in the draft, he's a top 10 pick, top 15. Yeah. I mean, he had to, yeah, he had to deal with a year with a year of Willie Taggart. I mean, that, that's, that's tough. <laughs> you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, a, that's just a you know, recipe for failure. So, We spent a lot of time on the quarterback position. So I'll just start out there. Any other names that we're excited about mentioning? Um, you know, there's guys like Jacob Eason, um, who Nick Whalen has said on Twitter, Jacob Eason comparison equals worst Jay Cutler. <laughs> um, you got Jordan Love, a guy that 
you know, I heard a lot of buzz on, but I was looking at the stats, guys. 20 touchdowns to 17 interceptions in the Mountain West Conference. I mean, really? I mean, he's, he's a guy we're excited about at the quarterback position. Jake Fromm, I think, is a really interesting name. Um, you know, had pretty solid numbers in the SEC at Georgia. So any and, of those other guys you think are yes, yeah, I, I want to chime in with Jake Fromm and get your guys' opinion on him because I've seen – you know, I haven't watched extensive tape of him, but I feel like you see him make – a, a pro like a, a really great pro NFL throw and then then he'll just like collapse back into a shell and he'll miss a guy by three yards on a slant you know like in front or behind or just panic but he can throw you know he can throw to the sidelines almost with it looks like with ease in a pro style offense in that sense but that it just is so he's so up and down I have such a hard read on him yeah, I think he fits in the best in a West Coast offense, and that's an offense that isn't being run much anymore. Um, so obviously I think that that's going to be an issue for him. But I think the rest of the issue is that, you know, I don't think he's that good. Like, you need to have the consistency, <laughs> and even Herbert was more consistent than Fromm was. Because um, if you just want to look at one game where Fromm was really good, watch Notre Dame. Yeah, He won the game for Notre Dame. Uh, they they had plugged up the run and, you know, he won it for him. And then you watch other games and you're like, what is Fromm doing? Like, what was the game against, was it South Carolina that yeah, they South lost Carolina to? Yeah, South Carolina was their loss. Where he had three picks and one or two pick sixes. Like, he wasn't playing well there and they're not a good defense. Um, so I think anytime he gets knocked out of a rhythm, he's going to be uh, – He's going to be in Hurt City. And I think he he's like, I would compare him to like a cheap man's like Derek Carr. Like, are you, do you want to spend a lot on that? Because I don't. <laughs> I think he's like the total opposite of Justin Herbert, where, you know, Justin Herbert kind of fails to make all the correct reads and decisions, you know, kind of in between the ears. I think Jake Fromm has a high football IQ. I think his average athleticism is what prevents him from, you know, making some of those deeper shots and kind of keeping his consistency because he's usually, you know, nine times out of 10, he's making the right read or, you know, he's, he's not putting the ball in harm's way. You know, he doesn't have a lot of turnovers. He just, you know, he's got an average arm, you know, maybe a little slightly above average, you know, mobility. Um, he just, he's, yeah, he's Derek Carr. He's Alex Smith. He's a guy that with a, you know, perfect supporting cast I think he can win you football games he as a freshman and as a sophomore Georgia when he had a ton of wide receivers to work with he was good this year they lose basically everyone and their brother at wide receiver and he struggled this year Um, you know towards the end of the year he started to come back to life a little bit as uh, George Pickens kind of stepped up for him but uh, you know being a diehard Georgia fan I still don't think he's a guy that a team should invest a first round pick in and, you know, I'm skeptical if they should even invest a second-round pick in him at this point. Kind of like that A.J. McCarron career path? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's a bad comp. You know, he's kind of getting the hype just because of where he went to school. Um, but in saying that, you know, after Tua and Burrow, it's really any man's – you know, it's anyone's battle to win for that third QB spot because I just – I don't think it's a super talented quarterback class like some people are hyping it up to be. Guys, any other quarterbacks we're talking about that we haven't mentioned? Or the Nate rest of them just Stanley, University of Iowa. 
We were talking about good quarterbacks. <laughs> he'll, make you, right. he'll make you tear your hair out. Let's move on at least for a few minutes. I know our listeners want us to dig into the running backs and wide receivers, but I want to ask about the tight ends because no one is talking about the tight ends in this class and um, you know, not, not as strong as, as we've seen recently in other classes, but are there going to be some sneaky values here? We, we talked a little bit about this on the Patreon show. Do, are there, is there anything worth mentioning about the tight end class or is it just one of those things we should just kind of see what happens in the combine uh, you know, see who gets drafted early. Is, is there anything we want to say about the tight end class or, or is there a reason no one's talking about them? Cause you know, why would you even think about them early in a draft unless it's a tight end premium? Yeah. I'm really excited uh, to draft a tight end and wait on them for two years. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a reason we're not really talking about them. There's just, in my opinion, there's really no one that stands out as this superb athlete that, you know, has an elite athleticism that can catch the ball, can block, can do it all. There's some intriguing guys, you know, as maybe a late day two pick in the NFL draft. But as far as rookie drafts, I don't see myself using a rookie pick on any of these guys in the first three rounds. I am. I'll, I'll use third round picks. Uh, depending think, on landing spot. Well, I, I think, th- right I think now, third round picks, if you're doing a normal four or five round rookie draft, you should be seeing in every trade if someone will throw in a third or fourth round pick just for the fun of it. Because um, to most people, it's not going to make or break a trade. So for a guy like me that just has a ton of third round picks, I'm going to be using them on tight ends. Why the heck not? As soon as a tight end has one good game, they are so easy to sell. So you might as well just stock up on a position that, you know, probably isn't going to get a whole lot of love in the next couple of years. And even in the next couple of years, it's going to be one or two guys. You know, it's going to be like Kyle Pitts and Brevin Jordan. And that's just going to be who you're going to have in the next draft. So I think that's going to be the tough part. And you might as well just get them now because guys like Hunter Bryant and Cole Komet, I think those are going to be two of the guys that are going to go higher in the NFL draft than you think they will. Yeah, as yeah, our friend... I, Go ahead, Caleb. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think landing spot will be huge for these guys because I don't think any of them are going to be selected, you know, what the Lions take Hawkinson at, you know, sixth or seventh overall. I don't think anyone's burning a top 10 pick on these tight ends. Um, but, I mean, Kane makes some, some good points. I mean, the tight end is such a desolate wasteland that, you know, if a tight end lands somewhere, uh, you know, where there's not a lot of competition, then yeah, I guess there's some guys that might not be bad to take a flyer on, but without knowing landing spot, I just, I think you're, you're taking such a big risk because none of these guys have the talent to take a chance on without knowing landing spot. I think they'll late in drafts. I think the first couple of rounds, absolutely. But the third round, we've had Jordan McNamara on the show. He's coming back later this month to talk about his new analytics of dynasty book to talk about Superflex leagues, a little plug there, but, um, you know, as Jordan has talked about on the show before, th- like tight ends that they're drafted in the third round, for example, have higher hit rates in general than wide receivers drafted in the third round. So if a guy, you know, like a, a, a Jared uh, Pinkney from Vanderbilt goes in the third round to a team and he's sitting there in the maybe even the fourth round of a rookie draft and it's a deeper roster that you have, why not take him and put him on taxi? Because, you know, his odds of hitting are, are not, not so bad if you look at historical comps with, um, you know, tight ends with that kind of draft capital tied to them. So 
I, I like that idea. We, so we don't the, need to talk the, the, sorry, the quick counter, the quick counter on that is I like uh, to stock up on the, the later round running backs that you can get there and accrue value, especially if your rookie drafts are earlier uh, in the off season, just because you have an opportunity for injury. Because uh, the, the tight end, like the like tight ends aren't going to get hype in minicamp uh, for what they're doing. And it, it, this is just a, this is a trade-based valuation with how you can make deals and move, move things around. You might be able to move then that running back that's pumped up on a depth chart for the tight end you actually wanted and then maybe something in the future. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. You know, you know, I'm team running back, let up on running backs. It probably just depends on who's there, you know, and, and, and you know, what your options are at that point of the draft. So, um, and, and we know that the, there may be some real intriguing talents there because this class is so deep. So, um, so yeah. So, guys, I think it's time to jump into running backs finally. And my first question is, who's your running back number one? Because there seems to be a little bit of debate, at least on Twitter, on who the running back one is of this class. So, Will, I'm going to start with you first. Who is your running back one? Oh, wow. I, was, I wasn't overly prepared for you to start with me with this. <laughs> but if I uh, it, it put on the spot, I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor. All right, Jonathan Taylor. Um, interesting guy, great career, looks great. You know, the, you know, we're starting to hear some buzz. Oh, does, does he have a fumbling issue? You're not worried about that, right, Will? No, and the, the, just looking it up, because Miles Sanders had a fumbling issue in college, and then when his, you know, his, his first season in the NFL, he had two fumbles. They were in one game. He lost one of them, and then it was, it was a non-issue from, from there out. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to get drafted pretty highly, too. I think whatever team is taking him, they're taking him as a starter. So this is a guess now. I don't think he's the most athletic or potentially going to be the best. Uh, he, you know, if he isn't the best running back out of this class, I'm not going to be overly surprised. But at this moment in time, uh, I'm going to guess that he is going to have a good amount of draft capital behind him, and he's going to his starting position. Kane, so who's your – like, I love DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne. I'm a huge Cam Akers fan, uh, and I can't wait to see where he ends up going. But, the, I mean, if I, I, you made me choose. so No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Trading down, Ryan. Trading down. <laughs> trading down. Getting extra first-round picks. Kane, who's your running back one? This is one of the few times where Caleb and I will agree. Um, we only agree on the, the wide receiver one and two and the running back one and two and nothing else. <laughs> um, okay. So it, it's DeAndre Swift. Um, he is the best all-around player. I think he is the second best pass catcher in this draft. And I think he has the ability to go high and has the pass catching prowess to make sure that he's going to be a PPR stud for you for years to come. Caleb, anything to add? You're shaking your head, right? Just that, that ditto. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I, what I like to look for running backs nowadays is guys that can catch the ball because, you know, to see the field in the NFL I mean, you got to be able to catch the ball. you got to be able to stay on the field for all three downs. And Swift can catch the ball. He can line up in the slot. I mean, hell, he can line up wide out on the outside and run routes. Um, and, you know, when you take into account, too, the recent success that guys like Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb have had coming out of Georgia, um, I mean, not that that should be your, uh, you know, number one thing to look for in your prospects, but when you're at the top nitpicking all these top four guys that are also good, you know, you got to look at little things like that. And I just – I think he is an excellent runner, you know, in between the tackles. He has the speed to bounce to the outside. He's got elusiveness. He can catch the ball. Uh, I mean, he can do it all. 
Well, and he can fit in any scheme, which I think is the really fun part with a guy like DeAndre Swift. So if you're talking an inside zone scheme, he can run that. If you're thinking outside zone like the Vikings have, he can run that. If you're thinking like a gap blocking scheme like Atlanta has, he can fit into that offense. So I think that's the really intriguing thing. Not many of these running backs can fit into every single offensive scheme but I believe that DeAndre Swift can. And then the pass catching is just kind of, you know, sprinkles on top of the ice cream. Yeah, and, and that's why, you know, when you look at the success that guys like Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb have had is, you know, they all were in the same offense that DeAndre Swift was in. It were, you know, some forms of maybe not as much Gurley, but, you know, definitely Chubb just, you know, a year, two years ago. So, you know, they're transitioning these guys to the NFL and getting them ready to go join these different offenses. And I, and I think that's one thing that, you know, you see these guys, you know, top recruits going to Georgia, even if there already is a, you know, a number seven ranked guy there or number three ranked guy there is they're not afraid of the competition because they know if I play running back, what's one school that's going to get me ready for the NFL and it's going to get me drafted highly. And I think it's becoming one of those schools that if you're a running back, you know, it's the place to go because, like Kane mentioned, they can get you ready for basically any offense in the NFL. Why are we not talking about Sony Michelle? You know, I, I think his case is weird because I don't think he was terrible, uh, you know, his rookie year. I think his rookie year down the stretch, he turned into a pretty decent running back. And, you know, at Georgia, he was a great compliment to Nick Chubb. Um, this year, I think there was more there with injury than what the Patriots let public knowledge because he just didn't even look like the same guy this year. He broke my heart. So (laughs) (laughs) he broke a lot of people's hearts. Well, (laughs) I, I would go with Swift as well, just for the reasons that you guys mentioned. I I just think the pass catching ability, uh, you know, and I think Taylor has shown that, that he, you know, has, uh, you know, the, receiving skills that he'll be, you know, okay in that area in the NFL. But I, I do think Swift is the, you know, the real deal, the, the best of the best. I, I like the observation about uh, the fact that he's coming from that Georgia program and the running backs that they've uh, turned out. And more and more for me, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm calling it the Corey Davis trap, you know, I, and, and will, when Corey Davis came out, you were all on that man. And I was like, no, I don't care that he went to a small school. I don't care. I just, I love Corey Davis. He's so unbelievable. And hopefully he'll still turn out to do something in the NFL, but man, that matters. Like going, coming from these elite programs that it, it just, you know, makes a difference. Even guys that don't necessarily produce and put up these eye popping numbers in, in college, we've seen that, you know, like, uh, you know, like a Michael Thomas, for example, or, um, you know, someone like that, that if they come from these elite programs that they can do big things in the NFL. So, um, okay. So other thoughts here about the, I mean, running back class, um, Cam Akers is a guy, well, you want to talk about Cam Akers? Cause he's a guy that intrigues both of us. You know, I, I've, I've been, you know, thinking about Cam Akers and watching him, you know, since my first Debbie league, I had the one one I drafted Cam Akers at the one one And since then I've seen his value slide and I'm like, Oh man, that's the, that was the, the, the guy that was told to, to, you know, talking to Debbie people to pick first. Um, but uh, is, there, is there hope for him? I mean, is he a guy that could come in the NFL and, and be a, a real difference maker in a, in a dynasty league? Well, although a, a great, great first name, uh, Willie Taggart is a, is a terrible college coach. So I think that does have an effect. Like the Florida State was just – they were just really, really bad. Uh, I think Cam Akers, he, so, you know, he's the five-star recruit. He was very athletic coming out of college. 
uh, you know, he tested very well, or sorry, coming out of high school into college. And I think that he is going to have, like, assuming like no injuries and everything goes fine, he's going to have a good combine and he's going to get drafted relatively highly. And I, he has kind of the body type that I think he, I don't know, his, to me, uh, without going into like minute details, I think he projects like very well into the NFL. And so if he's, you know, if he's kind of slipping down, and people are getting a little bit of like vividness bias and are willing to trade up to grab that Travis Etienne or J.K. Dobbins after what he did against Clemson, which you'll have a little bit of that coming into your rookie drafts. I might, I might move down and wait for Acres and take that chance. Caleb Kane, what do you guys think of Cam Akers? Uh, I mean, he's definitely had a disappointing college career based off of, you know, where he was as a prospect and what people projected him to be, but he's – probably the best pass catching running back in this, in this draft. Um, and I, you know, that, I know that's something like you've changed. been listening to me, Caleb. <laughs> and, and I mean, he is, I mean, that's, he is phenomenal at catching the ball. And I don't think it's fair to, to rank him where he's being ranked because of what he did at Florida state, because that offensive line was, it was a disaster. I mean, I can't put into words how bad that offense has been and how bad that offensive line has been. And I'll do it for was... you. The last two years, Florida State has averaged a stuff percentage, which means that he's going to get hit at or behind the line on 24.7% of Cam Akers' touches. And he, and he still produced at a pretty damn good level. I mean, he may, might not have produced at the level of Jonathan Taylor, but Jonathan Taylor's running behind one of the best lines in the country. And, you know, Thanks to Kane here, we found out Cam Akers was getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage on a quarter of his carries. I mean, that is that is awful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. PFF has, out of 130 uh, graded college teams, they have Florida State at 129. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's, I don't know, that's, that's pretty close to the bottom. Just <laughs> one away. <laughs> so, you so know, it's like... It, it, Go ahead, Caleb. If, if I'm in rookie drafts and I'm at the top and I'm at the top and, you know, I've got the 101 and the one, 106 or, you know, 107, I would rather take, you know, my quarterback of the future in a super flex league at the 1-1 and, rather than reach and, you know, not, not reach, but rather than take Swift over a quarterback and take whatever quarterback you left with the 107 take your quarterback at 101 because Cam Akers is probably going to be there mid to late first just because of the hype these other guys have gotten from the, you know, what have you done for me lately mentality. And Akers could end up being the best running back in this class uh, once he finally goes to a situation that isn't an absolute dumpster. Yeah, I wonder if he's one of those guys. To me, Cam Akers, because especially, you know, in the, in the you know, W community, you know, pe- people – we've known about him for years and we've been watching his career and, and, and know about his um, you know, what kind of prospect he was coming out of high school. I feel like he could, um, you know, be drafted highly by an NFL team because they, they realize his situation. I feel like he's a guy that's in a landing spot. I mean, you can say about anybody, I realize that, but I feel like his stock could climb. Um, I, so I wonder where he'll end up landing. Um, but, but yeah, it does seem that's a likely spot for him at this point in the, you know, mid to late first round. Can you, and- what, I was talking with my friend Nick Whalen and we were just exchanging some DMs just talking about Cam Akers and I think we kind of both came to the same realization that he's a better athlete 
than he is a running back right now. Um, and I think that's going to both help him and hurt him in the NFL. So he's not obviously going to have the same running back prowess as some of these other guys, but he's going to be more athletic. I think he's a better pass protector than people think he is. And he's willing to stand in there and really, um, and really block on third downs and passing downs. And I think that's really important. And as we're hearing kind of more about Cam Akers, um, people aren't as high as the Debbie community when we're looking at like scouts don't seem to be as high on Cam Akers. And my, my favorite landing spot for him is Tampa Bay. And I don't think that Tampa Bay will use a second or third round pick on Cam Akers. But if they can get Cam Akers in the fourth or fifth, similar to how Arians got David Johnson in the sixth when he was there, I think... I think that's a perfect landing spot for him, especially with the way that Arians uses the uh, running back position. Oh my God. That's like the dream landing spot. Can you imagine? Oh, wow. That would, that Love would be, it. it would be amazing to see where he would go because obviously drafted late, but that landing, you know, that whole landing spot. Cause we know he's a talented guy. That That's super intriguing. Yeah. That we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I th- yeah. So, I think, yeah. Dave, John- I think Dave Johnson was a third round pick, but I can still see them spending that. Uh, for for Mr. Akers. We're pretty excited about that. I would love that Tampa Bay landing spot. Yeah, that that would be that would be something. Um uh David Johnson's from Clinton, Iowa. Uh he went to the University of Northern Iowa, which is where I got my teaching license. <laughs> so we're basically best friends. So they did one thing right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was a third round pick. That's my mistake. But in in any case, I think that's that was also what five or six years ago, where the running back was arguably a more important part of the NFL game than it is now. Absolutely. And I don't I don't think David Johnson would be going in the third round of today's NFL draft. Yeah, I I, I, remember, I think it was on their like all for nothing. I think it was all all or nothing when the the Cardinals were going to take. Uh, What's his name that went to the Lions? Uh, Amir Abdullah? Yeah, they're going to take Amir Abdullah, and they're, like, on the phone with him, and then he got the call from the Lions to be drafted in the second round, so they ended up That's taking right. Dave Johnson in the third. <laughs> That's so funny. They won that one. Yeah, well, those things play out, right? Uh, they paid David Johnson now, though, so it's like, mm. <laughs> you know, like it's, I, I don't know. I, the, the, we don't need to dive into the, the what, what uh, David Johnson and Todd Gurley have done for running back contract extensions, but – no, Will, we certainly do not. So Ryan here, this ended up being over two hours of recording with Caleb and Kane. So I'm going to cut the show off right here. This is part one. Come back for part two on Monday. As a programming note, we're moving into our dynasty season now where we're getting into rookies and the Senior Bowl and the Combine and the NFL Draft, of course. So the Fancy Joes will start to drop on Mondays. Our episodes move to Monday. So that starts this Monday with Part 2. Part 2, obviously, we get into 2020 rookie wide receivers. Very intriguing group of wide receivers coming into the NFL in 2020. And then we do a Superflex rookie mock draft. It's a lot of fun. So Caleb and Kane will be back with us for Part 2 on Monday. In the meantime, if you want to find those guys on Twitter, you can. So Caleb is at PearsonFF, and Kane is at at W underscore Kane. Their show, which is fantastic. Check out their podcast if you haven't. The W Marketplace, at W Marketplace on Twitter. We're the Fancy Joes. You know that. We're at FF Joes on Twitter. 
I am Ryan Livergood. On behalf of my co-host, Will Greenwood, if I can say his name right, Will Greenwood, we're the Fantasy Joes. Join us next time for part two on Monday. See you then.